Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Michelin Cross Climate 2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at first first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. This is Straight Fire. With Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Monday, May 1st. Oh my gosh, summer's almost here. Summer officially, I think, begins with Memorial Day weekend later this month. The calendar turned to May 1st, and oh boy, what a weekend of sports it was. Holy cow. Listen. I'm geeked over the NFL draft. I have so many takes off the draft. My Jets had an incredible draft. The arrows pointing way up. The Aaron Rodgers stuff. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, at a hockey game over the weekend and at the Knicks Heat game, he's all in on New York. He's not dissing his young receivers the way he did in Green Bay last year. Oh, gosh, the excitement is palpable. Um, So we got a lot of draft stuff. I have some winners and losers. I'll talk about why that's kind of even difficult to do. Because a lot of it has to do with, well, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. I, obviously, we have to start. You guys, listen, the new people who have just got this pod just found it, and we've seen the numbers have gone up in the last couple of weeks. Happy to have you. But the people who have been around for a while know that I am a ride-or-die Steph Curry fan. The backstory, if you don't know it, obviously I loved his Davidson run in college. And then he got to the league, and I was following him, and you know, he kind of had the injuries early in his career. And of course, I had decided, you know, I'm trying to be forward thinking. I was at the big lead. Let's start a podcast. And I said, let me let me shoot big. Let me go big game hunting. And I knew a guy who kind of knew Steph Curry from Davidson. And Curry, again, he was with the Warriors, but he wasn't anything what he is now. And he was close to signing that deal that ended up becoming like the greatest contract ever because it was uh, it was a little low because he had the ankle injuries. So I was able to get Steph Curry on my first ever podcast 
And I've been a fan just because he came on the podcast. Like, come on, how cool is that? NBA player? This is my first guest. And so I'm a huge Curry fan. My kids, when we were back in Pennsylvania, you know, I got them Curry jerseys. We went to a um, a Warriors Sixers game. They wore the Curry jerseys. Like, I- I'm just a Curry fan. And of course, you know, right before COVID, he came out here to rehab uh, wrist surgery, was at my gym. All all these dads were texting, Curry's here, Curry's here. Oh my God. I ran into him one day, got a picture with him. I don't fanboy it up that much, but I did for Curry. You know, we talked about it. He's just a nice guy. You know, he's just a great dude. And to watch him cook, and I mean absolutely roast the Sacramento Kings for 50, the greatest Game 7 performance in NBA history. And that's not hyperbole, folks. Nobody's ever scored more points in a Game 7 in the history of basketball. I saw this really funny post I put on IG, and someone said, players who haven't scored 50 in a Game 7, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem, Magic, Kobe Bryant, everyone else in NBA history, players who have, Steph Curry. It was historic. I mean, it was one of those amazing afternoons. And listen, you guys know, obviously, I just laid, laid it on the line. I'm a huge Curry fan. All that being said, I know Mike Brown was coach of the year. He should have to turn in the damn trophy, the plaque, whatever they gave him, because I have no clue what he was doing defending Steph Curry in Game 7. Like, it was totally embarrassing. And again, it's tough for me to say that because I'm rooting for Curry, but I like the Kings. I want it to be a good game. I don't want a 25-point blowout in the fourth quarter. By the way, the under hit. Hello. Under one. Uh, it's game 7 unders. It's got to be an auto bet. I think the total was 229, landed on 220. And that's because um, it might have gone over, actually, if anybody could make a free throw. Neither team could shoot free throws. But Steph Curry was just unbelievable. I'm talking transcendent stuff. Legendary. You're going to remember where you were watching Game 7. Now, I was in multiple places because I, due to carpool, I had to drive my son somewhere, and I'm watching Game 7 in the car. But at that point, it was over. It was academic. And I was just raving to him about it. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, he likes Curry, but he's not like me. Um And then I started to obviously dig into some of these numbers. 35 and older. You know how many guys have scored this many points at 35 and older in NBA playoff history? Like, it's Curry and Karl Malone. Those are the only guys. Nobody 35 and older puts up this many. It just doesn't happen. Curry had 30 in the second half alone. The third quarter was the stuff, the stuff like, you know, legends are made of. They come out down two at halftime, and Curry just takes over. And everybody got in the act. I need to give Kevon Looney his props. Holy hell, 21 boards, 10 offensive rebounds. I know Sabonis had a great year. This is going to leave a real sour taste in his mouth. If you didn't watch the game and you just look at the box score, oh, Sabonis had 22, 8, and 7. That's a good game. Kevon Looney humiliated him on the glass. Van Gundy even pointed out at one point, DeMontis Sabonis, when the ball was coming up for a rebound, did not box out. He turned to like face guard Looney and got called for a foul because he was fouling him. Like That's how bad it got for Sabonis. I felt bad for the guy. He's playing with a big black eye. I guess something happened in game six. I didn't see too much of game six, unfortunately. I was stunned, you know, following the game online, and I was like, damn, Warriors are in trouble. I was really nervous about them in the series. And then Mike Brown happened in Game 7. And I know you don't want to put a 20-point loss where Curry goes off for 50, but I'm just going to point this out, and, and I, I even had people disagreeing with me 
vehemently on social media. I'm going to read off what Curry did in the series, okay? And you guys will know the point I'm getting at. He had 30 in game one, and they lost. He had 28 in game two, and they lost. He had 36 in game three. They won easily. 32, they won a close one. He nearly screwed it up. 31 in the big game five win. 31, though. Game six win, or game six lost, 29. Game seven, he had 50 points. And something happened in game seven that did not happen in the other six games. Mike Brown made the idiotic decision to remove Davion Mitchell from guarding Curry. If you guys were listening, I don't know how long this series is going on, two weeks, 10 days, whatever it is, 15 days. It's going on half the month. Early in the series, after the first two games, man, Curry's having problems with Mitchell. I know Curry's getting 30, and he got 28, but they lost. And it was an exhausting effort where Curry's getting guarded up and down the court. Mitchell, who has the incredible nickname of, wait a minute, did I just forget his nickname? Oh, off night. Off night is Davion Mitchell's nickname. Why? Because anytime he guards somebody, they have an off night. They have a terrible night. He's that good. And Mitchell hounded Curry, and Curry struggled. But Mike Brown, I guess, saw something in game six where a gentleman by the name of Terrence Davis, who is a journeyman, but he he spent some time in Toronto. Terrence Davis had done some good things. Uh, he's a bit of a veteran. And for whatever reason, Mike Brown said, you know what? We, we probably are going to need some more offense in game seven, so let's go with Terrence Davis. And then the worst thing happens for Davion Mitchell is Terrence Davis hits three threes, I think, in the first, like, 18 minutes. And... Then Terrence Mitchell was like, oh, I've got the green light to just keep shooting. But the worst part is he was a turnstile on defense. Steph Curry roasted him. You could see Curry's eyes light up like Curry's bringing the ball up effortlessly. Davion Mitchell's hounding him. Terrence Davis is just like, oh, we want to make him go left. And Curry's like, I'll take that. I'm Steph Curry. <laughs> you know, it just erupted. And, and I just feel bad for Mike Brown because what was working earlier in the series to pivot this late, I, I didn't like it at all. I know... Uh, they needed the offense, but you know what? I don't know that you would have needed the offense if Steph Curry's held to 30 as opposed to 50. Earlier in the series, they're containing him. He's getting, of course, he's going to get his points. He's one of the great all-time players. And yes, he's top 10. I mean, we could drill down on it if you want. Rob G is, I'm sure, chomping at the bit, you know, or champing at the bit, whatever it is. Listen, Curry's a historic player, legendary player, all-time great any way you slice it. I said before the Boston Finals last year, Curry won a title before Durant. Curry won titles with Durant. If he wins, wins one without Durant, and he's a Finals MVP, he's in the top 10. We're booting somebody. We booted somebody. I don't remember who it was. We discussed this 10 months ago. But I can go over it shortly if you want. So Curry's in the top 10. The question is, how high can he go? And he has started the playoffs with a 50-burger on the road in Game 7. And I think we can call that the greatest Game 7 performance in NBA history. And that's not hyperbole because it's the first round. Next round, he faces this gentleman by the name of LeBron James, who I have called the greatest player in the history of the sport. And in the conference finals, he could match up with, could, his former teammate and Kevin Durant. And then perhaps a rematch with the Celtics in the finals. I mean, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. I guess the point is, the case could be made. Like, how high can Steph Curry go? Are we talking? I, I, I don't think it's blasphemous. Are we talking about a top five player in the history of the sport? Bumping Tim Duncan? Bumping 
maybe Larry Bird down a notch? Shaq get bounced out of the top 10? I, I don't know. We'll have to. We're going to spend some time on it. But, folks, how can you not be excited about this? I, You know, and we could spend hours, if we wanted to, breaking down his game. I took the time like the losery nerd that I am. I went through every curry basket. Yes, Rob, this is a real thing that I did. This is how I spent my Sunday evening. It didn't take long. Here is how many baskets Curry made, or points, via field goal against the defender in Game 7. One three was against nobody. If you guys remember the corner three in the fourth quarter, he inbounds it and then runs to the corner. Nobody defends him. He gets a wide-open three. Other than that, he only made one three on De'Aaron Fox. He had seven points on Keegan Murray. He had one layup on Malik Monk. Seven points on Trey Lyles. Two on Sabonis. Four on Red Velvet. 16 points against Terrence Davis. Zero, by the way, on Davion Mitchell. Now, I know I've spent a lot of time talking about Davion Mitchell to open a podcast. I do think he is a game changer. Um, I think, you know, he's gonna, they're going to have to find a way to get him more playing time. I don't know. It's crowded with Herter and Monk. Obviously, Fox. Fox did not have a great game seven. But, I mean, you know, we can bag on Fox. I mean, Clay Thompson was four of 19. Couldn't throw it in the ocean. He did have a four-point play to end the third that was kind of huge. I think they had cut it to six. And then he hits a three. And, oh, by the way, guess who had the foul in the four-point play? You'll never guess. Terrence Davis. Um, I don't know, Rob. I, I don't, I, I'm crushing Mike Brown. I hope I'm not hitting on him more than I am pumping up Steph Curry, who, I mean, I just have so many notes on him. Uh, when you can get that volcanic and score 30 points and a half and obliterate a team, this is a team that had their greatest season in maybe this century, right? They were 17 years without a trip to the playoffs. They get to the first round. They lead 2-0. They're coming home for game seven where they're great at home. And Curry, I thought the last thing I have here in my notes is um, when I was watching him in the series, the, as we led up to game seven, the more and more I watched him, Rob, I saw a lot of Lionel Messi in the World Cup. And if you remember Messi in the World Cup, he famously conserves his energy at times by walking around. Not even jogging, just walking, walking, patiently, waiting, and then pow, he just explodes. And you could see some of that with Curry as he wore down at times in the series. He he looked fresh in Game 7. But just that greatness is just, um, you you just got to play super smart. I have this quote in my phone that um, is super nerdy, but I'm listen, I, I get geeky about this stuff. Talent hits a target no one else can hit. Genius hits a target no one else can see. How scary is it when Curry has both the talent and the genius? He's, he's wearing guys down. Oh, I'm going to walk around. And pow! Just explodes for a three. Explodes for the layup. I mean, just savor these moments, Rob G. I know you're a huge Laker fan and you're going to be rooting against him from another state and another time zone, but you had to have loved what you saw, my guy. I was watching the game at my nephew's birthday party on my phone, you know, real dad move type stuff. <laughs> While the kids are playing, I got the phone out watching the game. Yes. He was incredible. I mean, you know, and, and I don't I don't like the way that you were dismissive of former UCLA Bruin Kevon Looney, who was eating Doma Sabonis for lunch for the last five games, mm. had another 10 offensive rebounds. I think that as a team, I think I saw the stat on the, on the TV, that uh, the Golden State Warriors had 13 offensive rebounds in the third quarter alone. <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was a bludgeoning in that second half. And Steph Curry, he and Looney were the only two guys I thought on any 
on the floor at all, either team that really showed up. And and you mentioned that you thought Steph looked really fresh. I di- I didn't think so. I think he looked a little tired, to be honest, in the second half when even mm. even as he was exploding. The problem <laughs> was that he was the only guy who could score for anybody. Mm. Like the Kings couldn't hit a shot. Uh, Clay Thompson had a four point play. That's about it. Wiggins couldn't really hit a shot. Jordan Poole was doing Jordan Poole things, but oh, it was yeah. Steph we need Curry. To talk about Jordan Poole. I, I, S- Steph Curry was awesome. Yeah. And and I, I'm. We'll we'll debate the Steph top ten top five thing later because I I think I think again you're getting a little ahead of yourself because he's your guy. Wait 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 wait. You can't you can't slide that in. Come on, (laughs) you're telling me. And again, yes, it's only the second round. If he wins the title, you don't think there's any. And I'm going to assume he's going to be the Finals MVP. You don't think there's a case he he could be top five? Not really. Yeah, not really. Not really. I think he's probably. Even with a ring, but we're so far away from yes, that. Like, yes, I, I don't even think they're like, going to win this next series. To be he's got to win um, what four, four, four. He's got to win twelve more games. Twelve more games, uh, and and I believe each team, if they were to advance, that he would face would probably be a better team than his. So he'd be fighting uh, an uphill battle in each of those rounds. Well, wait a minute. Wait, a minute. they're favorite against the Lakers. They're um, favorite because they have home court, and they're very only slight favorites. It's slight favorites. Um. I, I, I'm trying to think. Do you think the Nuggets are going to be favored over the Warriors? Yes. I don't Home know court. that. I think the Suns might be, but I don't think the Suns get by. I think we did our picks last week. I think we're both on we're both Denver Nuggets. Series. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I had I had Suns before the playoffs, but having, having watched it I, when we did our picks. But, yeah. let, I mean, Steph Curry, assuming he's able to do this hypothetically, win the championship, win the finals MVP, then yeah, I think he'd have a conversation to be in that five to seven range, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, but right now, uh, it's just way too premature. We, okay, li- we, we enough, talked about this after the finals last year. But that's not to dismiss what he did on Sunday. He was fantastic. He put on an absolute show. He was the only guy who rose up to the moment of a game seven. Game sevens are not easy to play. There's, I think I, I read a stat online. I, I have to double check this. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe in game seven of the finals against LeBron and Kyrie. I think he only had 17 points. He did. That was the game where Kevin Love locked him down at the end. Yeah. Of the so it's not. It's it's. And this is not a Steph Curry. But like it's hard. Guys get tight. You know the rims seem to be really, you know, bottled up in those situations. And credit to him for saying, "I've been here before. I'm the best player on the on the on the floor in either of these teams. My team needs me. I can't count on my other splash brother. He's having an off night. I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna take 75 shots to do it. But I'm gonna be the one who gets it done. And he did. So Steph Curry deserves all the credit that he's getting here on uh, Sunday into Monday. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I just did the idiotic thing of looking it up. This website, Land of Basketball, is the best for comparisons. Curry, four titles, Magic 5. Um, season MVPs, Magic 3, Curry 2. Finals MVPs, Magic 3, Curry 1. Now, all NBA first team is the weird one. Magic has nine. Curry has four. So, But here's the thing. Curry ha- is having a much longer career. Magic obviously cut short with the HIV. Scoring leader, Magic 2. Oh, I'm sorry, Magic 0, Curry 2. Assist leader, uh, Magic 4, Curry 0. Steals later, Magic 2, Curry 1. So it's it's dicey, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. What we really need to talk to, and yes, we're going to get to the NFL draft, and yes, we'll obviously get to Heat Knicks and the Jimmy Butler injury. But Rob, this Lakers-Warriors second-round matchup, I will just say the text chains that I'm on for this about, you know, I play, we got a soccer tournament coming up for parents. And we would do pickup, and I just texted texted a bunch of guys like, "Hey guys, I know we're we like to play Tuesdays, but <laughs> game one's Tuesday. I ain't missing it. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not missing game one." And then, um, you know, this weekend, Lakers Warriors at the Crypt, and it's like that's going to be a tough ticket to get. You know, there's a bu- there's a bunch of other stuff going on this weekend. It's like 
this series is this is round five for Curry versus LeBron. Curry won the first one in 2015. That was, I think, where the one where Kevin Love was hurt. And Kyrie was hurt. And Kyrie was Kyrie played game one and they got hurt in overtime, I think. Uh, 2016, of course, down 3-1. LeBron comes back. 17 and 18, Curry had Kevin Durant on his side. And so Curry, you don't want to say he's owned him. Um, if you put the numbers head-to-head, LeBron obviously has the better numbers. But, I mean, it's LeBron. He's, you know, he's been the fulcrum of the offense forever. I just love that we're getting 35-year-old Curry versus 30. Is he 38 or 39? 38. 38. Because I confuse him with Aaron Rodgers now that I'm like an Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, 38 versus 35. I I, I got to be honest. I don't have a strong feeling about this either way. And, and I didn't have a great feeling about Warriors-Kings. And it's funny. I've heard from some people who have been just getting murdered gambling on the NBA, these playoffs, because they're crazy. I did go 2-1 this weekend. I'm starting to feel games a little better. Uh, I hit the under in Game 7. I hit Denver Saturday. I missed Knicks Heat, which we'll get to. That Knicks friggin' collapsed. But the Jimmy Butler injury is huge. Anyway, so, you know, the Warriors and Lakers played four times in the regular season. You could just throw those out. You don't even need to discuss them. Lakers won three. But... Curry did not play in a couple. Uh, In opening night they played, I was there, and Westbrook was on the team, like, forget that. The final game, which was in March, which was not that long ago, it was Curry's first game back after missing a while. LeBron didn't play. AD went bananas. Wiggins didn't play. It was like, what does that mean? That means nothing. So what a lot of people I think are going to do, Rob, is look at what happened in Lakers-Memphis and say, oh, well, I can take this, this, and this away. And then, oh, yeah, Warriors, Kings, well, this, this, and this. And I just, the matchups are totally, completely different. I wouldn't read too much into those. I think ultimately this comes down to two things. Number one, I know AD had like 26 blocks or whatever. Lakers had a block party. Yes, their Instagram page put out this reel of blocks. It was awesome. They're playing a team that drives to the bucket. They're not three-point shooters. Desmond Bain is the guy. The Lakers were giving Dylan Brooks the he's with us treatment all series long. He's with us. Give him a shot. They don't care. Luke Kennard gets hurt, misses game six. They lose by 50. Was it 50 or it might have been 40? So, yeah, AD's awesome as a rim protector. Guess what? Warriors aren't driving to the hoop. (laughs) They're shooting threes. So now you've got how is this – like I'm just trying to think of the matchups initially. I believe – I know Draymond is a really good post defender. I would assume – Draymond goes to LeBron. I know people are going to say Draymond and AD, but as we saw, Kevon Looney can be a massive factor on the offensive glass. I mean, he's a he's a good passer. He had a really good series against Sabonis. And if Looney's not out there, Rob, AD's going to eat inside. And then you've got, what, Wiggins? You know, Wiggins could capably guard LeBron. He did a good job against Tatum, but LeBron's a little stronger, just a different player. Um, and they're going to let LeBron have threes. So my guess is the Warriors need to play two bigs, and then it comes down to, like, what what's the Jared Vanderbilt role? Does he guard Wiggins, and then you hide LeBron on Draymond? But then if that's the case, LeBron's going to be on the perimeter while Draymond sets all these screens, and then LeBron all of a sudden is getting switched on to Steph Curry on the perimeter. Do you want that? So I, this is going to be an interesting chess game. I don't know how much Vanderbilt plays. I think he matches up well with Clay. I think, obviously, he would be the guy on Wiggins. You don't want LeBron chasing Wiggins. And remember, LeBron didn't have to do much defensively last game. He was help defending, swatting shots. 
Dylan Brooks is not an offensive guy. You can't put LeBron on Wiggins. And I think you want to hide him on Draymond. It's probably the best spot. But then Draymond, Rob, is going to be on the perimeter. So this is... Uh, I, it's a tough one. Obviously, off the Game 7, you're like, oh, wow, who's going to guard Curry? Probably Austin Reeves. Maybe Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt's better with his length for the drives. I just... you. I come back to one huge edge for the Warriors. And that's Steve Kerr against Darvin Ham. And... <laughs> Again, if Darvin Ham has the substitution issues he had against Memphis, which was without Steven Adams, Memphis, which was without uh, Brandon Clark, Memphis, which was without Luke Kennard, like, I mean, John Morant missed a game. Like, let's be real here. The Lakers got a little fortunate with the draw. Warriors team ain't hurt. They're not missing anybody. And I know we could go on about Jordan Poole is playing crazy and loose. And they don't really have a backup big, and Kuminga hasn't played in forever. Kuminga can play in the series. He will. It was just a bad matchup last round. I, if I got a pick, I'll take the Warriors in seven. Um, but I can also see a world where this is Warriors in five. Um, it, it just the Lakers. I just don't think it's a great matchup, Rob. I vehemently disagree. I already went on record on Sunday afternoon. I had Lakers in six. I think it's going to map out exactly the same way that the Memphis series where Lakers win game one. And this is not even me being a Laker fan. This is just, I would have said this if it was the shoes on the other foot, if it was Memphis and the, uh, and the Kings in front of that matter, the Lakers winning on Friday night, getting the extra days off. So they're going to have four days in between their last game and game one. Mm. The Warriors are coming off a very emotional game seven. Everybody was tight. Everybody looked tired. Steph Curry, it looked to me like he emptied the clip. I don't think he has, he's not going to have a whole lot left in his legs, at least in game one. That's fair. So in my eyes, the Lakers are already up 1-0. Oh, like, my. I, I wait would a be, wait a minute. I, I would Ed, be, you're not giving them an edge. You're giving them a game. No, I would be stunned if the Lakers don't win game one. But I fully expect that the Warriors will come back and win game two because I think the Warriors are a really good team. And I think once they get back home, the Lakers' defense is no joke. Like, like, I know that the matchup worked out well with them with Memphis because Memphis doesn't have a ton of shooting. They could pack the paint, things like that. But where they are in a better position, I don't want to get sidetracked. Let me give you your, 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 flat, your correct on this one. Neither team is prepared for the other one based on round one. Memphis was not a good preparation for the Lakers for, to face the Golden State Warriors. The Sacramento Kings were a horrible preparation for Golden State to face the Lakers. They are completely different teams, completely different styles. The only thing you can say is if you're the Lakers, you're like, hey, this Golden State team does not defend anywhere near as well as Memphis does. And if you're Golden State, you're saying, hey, this Lakers team doesn't score nearly as well as Sacramento does. So I think they're both going to be feeling kind of optimistic about those things. What I think it comes down to is the Lakers, even if they don't have shooting or scoring on the floor, a la Jared Vanderbilt, they can defend still without it. The Warriors, I don't think they, they're they going to be able to play two non-shooters at the same time in this series against this Lakers defense. So you don't think Looney and Draymond will be on the court at the same time? I think if that's the case, they're in trouble. I think that they're, they're going to have to is the problem. They're going to have to play those two to just to match up physically because they don't have any size. So if they're going to keep shooting 43s a game, which is what they did in round one, they're going to have to hit at least 40% of those. That, I mean, that's not crazy. And last round, you know. they shot 32.8%. Mm. 
Um, so the Lakers bench is Rui Hachimura was a revelation. Uh, tell me who he guards when he comes in. Wiggins, Draymond, oh, one of those two. No, he, I don't. Wiggins will eat his lunch. But the thing is that they don't feature Wiggins like that. Well, I, like, but I think they can feature Wiggins. Remember, he's kind of he's been out of the. Why, why did they do that against Sacramento? Like, I, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. I, I kind of didn't use this take last week. I thought Wiggins looked super fresh and energized yes. in this series. Yes, like he'd been out for a month or, or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, and just the speed and quickness. I don't think that uh, my guess, like Harrison Barnes, couldn't stay with him, and Barnes is, I think, quicker laterally than Rui Hachimura. Um, I, I, I just worry. Well, Barnes if, if was they, guarding Draymond. Well, so who was on Wiggins? Uh, Keegan Murray. Or they went uh, super small. Well, actually, I like Keegan Murray. I think Keegan Murray's quicker. I mean, I know he's a young guy. Um, I think Keegan Murray, he's a good defender. He had an up-and-down series. The guy's a rookie. But, like, if they do do the lineup of death where Draymond is at center, and then they go, what, Poole, Clay, Curry, Wiggins, I think the Lakers are in deep, deep trouble. Tell me how they match up, the Lakers do, defensively against that group. You got AD on Draymond? Yes. Okay, where are you hiding LeBron? You switch everything. Oh, my gosh. Well, they're going to put the 38-year-old LeBron into action as often as possible. By the and way, the I know La- Jordan And the Poole's Lakers struggling. are going to put Jordan Poole in action as much as possible. Yeah, jo- Jordan Poole. Um, He's been terrible. I, I, listen, I, I like Poole. Um, he, he did not have a good series. Uh, as bad, okay, let, uh, Rob and I talked about this off off before we started recording. Rank the four best guys on the Warriors last round. We were both agree Curry's first. Yes. I had ever so slightly Wiggins over Looney as two. Yes. So then Looney's three. Yes. So Clay or Draymond is four. Yes. Which one? Oh, I mean, I guess it depends know, which game you watched. But. If you just look at the raw numbers, Clay yeah. put up 20 a game. And he shot 42 and 35. Not awful. But Draymond was so good defensively when he was He out was there. good. He also got ejected. Yes. He, there's moments where he just cannot shoot at all. If it's a corner three, it's okay. But anything else is like, oof. Um, I don't. Listen, they got away in a series where Clay was their fourth best player. Mm-hmm. Looney was not even top five. I mean, you could make the case that Jordan, uh, not Jordan, uh, Peyton, the little, uh, the mitten had like a better series than Jordan Poole. Here's my thing, though. We just saw the worst of Poole, and they still won. What's going to happen when Poole plays well? Because you know, Rob, he's going to have a good game. There will be times where Jordan Poole is erupting. He can be volcanic and just go off. And I, I just don't know if the Lakers have someone like that. Now, some will argue, oh, let's let Jordan Poole do his thing. He's out of control. He's driving. And, uh, I, I, you don't want to let him get hot. If he, if he has a 25-point game, it's an automatic win, it feels like. Because he didn't give them much against the Kings. Uh, he had 22 in the Game 4 win. He had 17 in a loss. He, had, he was terrible in Game 2. He, was, he shot 33% from, uh, against the Kings. He was probably trying to do too much. I mean, you match him up I against mean, like Dennis Schroeder or D'Angelo. That's Russell. the story of his career, though. Well, Ever since, look, uh, I say this with all due respect. You know when someone says it's gonna be something super disrespectful, so yeah, it's gonna be prepare for, for prepare for the disrespect. Jordan Poole is going to be the reason why the Warriors dynasty crumbles. Oh my! God. I'm not saying it's gonna happen this year. Hater. I'm not, I'm not like even if they beat the Lakers in this series, 
even if they advance past them. Jordan Poole, because of the punch and how it, it's not even his fault, but the, because of the punch and how it impacted their team. You can tell there's videos on Twitter, go look it up, where he's like shoving Jeremon's arm down when Jeremon tries to dap him up on the sidelines. And then Steph Curry oh, has to walk by him and, well, and dap I, up Draymond. Because oh, you know, Steph, Steph has let it known that Draymond's his guy, right? So that's one. Number two, it's the contract. There's a reason why Clay Thompson wants a max deal. He's like, look, if you're going to give it to that freaking guy who we can't even play more than 20 minutes in a playoff game because he's so inconsistent, he's a, as a turnstile defensively, and he's so erratic, then I deserve a max contract. So that's that's number two. And last but not least, he's so inconsistent. Like he had that pool party last last uh, playoffs where it was round one when Steph was down. They're like, man, look how good this guy is. And then as they got deeper and deeper into the into the playoffs, he became unplayable at times. Well, let's not go overboard. So the Denver series was where he played a lot, right? Yes. Okay. He yeah, he shot fifty four percent from the field, forty eight percent from three. He mm-hmm. was awesome. Then against Memphis. I guess Curry came back, but he still, he started strong, uh, you know, 17 a game. Against Dallas, shot 40% from three. His minutes were down, 63% for the field, 16 a game. He was good. And then the finals, you know, listen, it's his first finals. It's a big spot. He shot 43, 38% from three, 13 a game. Like, he could give you offense off the bench. I, I'm not can, a selling yeah, my job. I'm not saying that he can't get, what I'm saying is, because of that contract, because of what he's done to, Draymond, you know, with their personal issues, Clay Thompson feeling like he deserves like he's a better player. And Get out of your feelings, Clay Thompson. You don't think Clay Tom- you don't think it's fair of Clay Thompson to demand more money than than Jordan Poole. So like, that's what I'm saying. All I'll say is Jordan better, Poole play. is going to be the reason why all of this falls apart, whether it's this offseason or next offseason. I'm a Jordan Poole guy, so I I, I don't want to make any... I'm not going to go out on a limb and defend him through through and through, but like they're going to need him. There's going to be a game where they're going to need him. You know this, will. Yes, they will. You know, he's got to deliver for them. So you got Lakers in six. I'll say Warriors in seven, although it's tough to pick against LeBron in seven. Um, All right, you want to just do NBA quick and bang it out and then get to NFL? Let's do it. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Extremely disappointed in my Knicks on Sunday. I, I just, like, you, you, awesome first half, incredible. And then Miami just said, oh, you guys want to dominate in the paint? They had like 40 points in the paint in the first half. We're just going to pack the paint. No, Nothing more for Jalen uh, Brunson. And you can have all the threes you want. And Tom Thibodeau, like, foolishly fell into that. They can't throw it in the ocean. They shoot 20% from deep, and they lose. But I don't even think this game means that much. You know why, Rob? Because the Jimmy Butler news. Jimmy Butler turns an ankle late. He stayed on the court, staying in the corner like not even a threat, but they still had to kind of guard him because it's Jimmy friggin' Butler. And then after the game, in the locker room, one report says his ankle was the size of a baseball, swollen. That's from a New York Daily News reporter. Listen, your ankle swells up like that, you're going to miss a game or two. So I'll say Jimmy Butler out for games two and three, and they're already down Tyler Hero. They're down Victor Oladipo. They are perilously thin. I think the Knicks get right back in the series, and I think they'll be fine. I'll just say, though, um, like somebody's got to get to R.J. Barrett and be like, bro, chill. Like He just thought he was like Michael Jordan. Did you see that? Like at the end of the game, it's just turnover, turnover, turnover. Like, what, what are you doing? And he got frustrated so that he does this dumb offensive foul. I need, Now, Randall did not play, obviously. They'll need him. But I would like to see... Uh, listen, I, I know people, Knicks fans are going to be like, oh, come on, Jay. Time to dust off Evan Fournier. Time to dust him off. I don't know when the last time he played was, but if Miami does this strategy, you need shooters out there. <coughs> and I'm sorry, but Brunson 0 for 7 from deep, Hart 0 for 4, Barrett 1 for 5. When those three starters are 1 for 16 from deep, it's going to be rough. Uh, Evan Fournier, let's see if he even played last round. <coughs> um, computer's working slow. Apologies. Yeah, Evan Fournier has not played since April 9th. Is he hurt, Mike? 
Rob, I don't know why I said Mike. Uh, it's the second time in the last like week and a half you call. Uh, I don't. Did think I call? So. Wait, did I call you Mike the last you time? You called me. You called me Mike on uh, last Friday's pod. Yeah. What the hell? We were talking about Mike Williams and and uh, the the Quentin Quentin Jefferson, right? That's the receiver's name. Wow, what a memory you have. Yeah. Um, so Evan forty eight, maybe he's hurt and that's why he's not playing, but hasn't played since April 9th. Like they're gonna have to get him out there because uh, you know I like quickly. Uh, I don't know that you could trust Grimes in this spot, and I love Josh Hart, but if Butler's not out there. You know, maybe we don't need Josh Hart as much. We need a shooter. Um, that, those are my only takeaways. But again, with Butler's injury, I'm not going to read too much into it. Yeah, everything you say completely fair. Um, I will say that in this case, the schedule actually helps them a lot. In all the ways uh, that they're not yeah. doing the Lakers and the Warriors any favors by playing every other day. Um, looking at the schedule for Heat Knicks, and they play game two on Tuesday, but then they don't Just play again till Saturday. Oh, so no. I would not be surprised if they Dude, like, hey, we what? stole the one on the road. Um, Jimmy, rest your ankle for game two. We're going to give you basically a full week to recover and you're back for game three. So this series is going to start all fresh all over again. Game three. Oh, oh May- are you sure that's right? I'm seeing it too. Um, that, that can't I'm, be right. Tuesday, May 2nd at New York. Saturday, May 6th at home in Miami. And then May 8th? Then May 8th, 10, and then 12. What? And then it's 10, 12, 15. Oh, so. For whatever reason, between two and three is a huge yeah. gap. But, however, there's also a chance Julius Randle comes back for game three. Yeah, no, that would be good. So it could have balanced itself out. But I think either way, this is going back to Miami, tied 1-1. All right, real quick. I don't know if you saw any of Denver-Phoenix Saturday night. Watch the whole thing, yep. Oh, okay. Um, Locked Denver's in. a problem. And and we listen, I told you guys I like Denver in the series. People, ah, oh, come on. Phoenix, they don't play a lick of defense. At all. Denver got whatever they wanted, whenever, any spot. Jamal Murray cooked. I, I'm on. I'm doing this player points pool, and I'm in great shape. The leader just lost to Bonus and Fox, obviously, so he's crestfallen. Um, I'm the, I'm, I think I'm – I have four guys moving on, but I'm in, I'm in great shape. Um, so it would be a nice little windfall. Not, not, I don't even think it's five figure. It's less than that. Um, but I just – I really love – this Nuggets matchup with Murray and Booker. Because I'm telling you guys, Devin Booker gets all the love. Oh, he's first team all NBA. He dated Kendall Jenner. Look at him drop 50. He's doing this. Do you remember him in the finals? All this stuff. I get it. I get Devin Booker's cool. He drives these throwback cars. You know, he's like a model. Like, Devin Booker's got a lot going on. He's a guy that everybody likes. And Jamal Murray's getting no respect at all. None. Nobody talks about him. Oh, he's a bubble Jamal Murray. Oh, really? Really? Did you see him freaking destroy the Suns? Did you? See, I don't. Rob, you were watching, so you know. But I listen. Saturday night, I'm sure not a lot of people were watching. I was at home, and I watched it all. And I'm, you know, with my son playing chess. By the way, he smoked me twice this weekend in chess. I got, I got some work to do. Um, and Jamal Murray just—he was unstoppable. Like I don't care who you put on him, Chris Paul, no chance. Like get out of here. You get no shot of stopping him. And Jokic is good. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, Bruce Brown. Did you see Bruce Brown? Grand Theft Larceny, just picking Durant clean and then throwing it down. At that point, you're like, oh, shucks. And Monty Williams instantly said, that's a wrap. We're pulling our guy. <laughs> he just pulled his guys with five minutes left. Now, I don't know if it was the altitude, but fourth quarter, Denver went off. Game two is a big one. Denver needs this game. You know Phoenix is going to come. Kitchen sink game. I need to see the line. We still got a day. But uh, I was impressed with Denver, Rob. Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. They looked fantastic. And you know what's funny is you, you mentioned how Phoenix couldn't stop Denver. Well, 
Denver couldn't stop Phoenix either. The well, difference the was, half. well, you know, I mean, I think throughout the game, I think they shot over 50%. So it's not like, you know, they really oh, shut that's it right. down yep, at 50, all. Yep. But the difference was Denver plays modern NBA basketball. They shot 37 three-pointers. They had 43% of them. I don't know if they can count on shooting 43% every game, but they can shoot in the high 30s. Yeah, Aaron absolutely. Gordon, three or four, I saw Yeah. That. Phoenix does not shoot three-pointers. They love to get to the mid-range. So even though they shot it better from the field than Denver, even though the, the turnovers up until late in that fourth quarter when they got away from them was pretty close, it was rebounding because Jokic was just bullying um, DeAndre Ayton and the three-pointers. That was the big difference. So in t- unless Phoenix is going to suddenly start shooting threes or more likely defend the three-point line at all, Denver is going to run away in this series because neither team is going to be able to stop each other, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm sure you saw the clip that went viral over the weekend. There was a uh, Jokic, by the way, had eight offensive rebounds. The Suns had eight. Jokic yep. was just bully balling inside, and there, the ball was pinging around. Aiton kind of gets shoved out of bounds, and he just stands there under the hoop watching the ball be battered around. Waits like at least two bats. Like the ball goes off the backboard and then just tipped up. He just stands there watching. And then finally jumps back in and still does nothing. And I'm just telling you right now, if Chris Paul saw that highlight, he's going to just totally shred DeAndre Ayton. Because he looks like he's soft and he don't want it. And Jokic is in there. Jokic 24-19-5. and Ayton, uh, he had 14-7. and But he was like a non-factor. Shot one free throw. I, I Hot take. Um... I just I think the Nuggets are better. Now, we'll see. Obviously, Kevin Durant was having a good game. Booker had a solid game. Booker whines a lot, Rob. You notice that? <laughs> I did notice that. The Chris Paul shit's rubbing off on him. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, final series. Actually, we'll do it real quick because game one is tonight, the only game tonight. And that would be what we expect to be the Joel Embiidless Sixers in Boston against the Celtics. A lot of people are, are like kind of out on Boston after they lost – um, they lost that one to Atlanta at home, and then they struggled in game six to put them away. And people are like, ah, I don't know about Boston. Like, guys, <laughs> don't overreact. It's one game. Do you, don't, do you think that they didn't see the uh, – you, you think they didn't witness the Bucks losing and were like, oh, my gosh, we have home court advantage? You don't think they saw that? Of course, it definitely played into it, and they just – they didn't look as aggressive. Celtics are 10-point favorites. Oh, by the way, I did screw up. Nuggets Suns are tonight too. Damn it. Tonight's gonna be a late night. Nuggets four and a half point favorites. Um Rob, I I can't under any circumstances bet the Celt- the Celtics at ten, but I don't know that I could take the Sixers either. The problem being maybe Boston's like, oh no what no Embiid, we got this. You know, and you know what happens. Maxi has like twenty five and Harden goes off and it's a close game. But Celtics will win, but I don't this is not a game I want to bet. Yeah, I would not touch this game. Even though, like you, I, I could absolutely see this game being a Boston 29-point victory where it's not even that close through most of the game. But I could also see, you know, Boston playing with their food a little bit. They did that against Atlanta. And and that was a reason why that series went six games when it really probably should have been a sweep. So I would stay away from the 10 points if I'm gambling. Um, nuggets are four and a half, but uh, at one shop in the desert, it's down to four. This is a it's a tough one. Um, I I like Denver to win. I just don't. Four points is a lot. You, you think Kevin Durant and Booker rolling over again in game two? They're not doing. They're not doing that. All right, let's get to the NFL draft. Um, gosh, I loved it. I, I've got 
I don't. <sighs> so, I'm writing a piece for Fox on three teams to buy after the draft and three to kind of sell. And I know this is not going to be popular because what I usually say is not that popular when it's like a non-mainstream opinion. But I'm telling you right now, I will be betting a little bit on the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the AFC North. I like their draft. I don't know the Broderick Jones, who they stole from the Jets on Thursday. I don't know that he starts initially, but he's going to play this season for sure. I love the pickup of Darnell Washington from Georgia. Great blocking tight end. That's the thing there. Great blocking left tackle. Great blocking tight end. Expect some dual tight end sets. Najee Harris is going to be thrilled. And oh, by the way, they added receivers. Kenny Pickett has options on the outside. They add an interior lineman. They add an edge rusher from Wisconsin. A guy who was a three-year starter. Total value pick. Like I'm just telling you right now, I, I know Lamar's back. Everybody likes the Bengals every year. What's not to love? Day of Joe Burrow. I, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, Pickens on the outside, Fryermuth and Washington. I will be betting a little Steelers over and to win the division. It's, it's not going to be easy. It definitely will not be easy. I'm also betting on Kenny Pickett making a second-year jump. I like what the Steelers did. Um, the next one, and listen, a lot of you Detroit Lions fans were really pissed at me for going after them. In the for their first round picks, and I get it, I understand that. And then, hey, hey, look, we traded DeAndre Swift. You were wrong. They needed a running back. No, no, no. That's not team building. Look at how the smart teams have been built. This is not rocket science, guys. This is not me. I don't work in an NFL front office. Look at the good, smart front offices. They build through the trenches. They draft offensive line. They draft defensive line. You protect the quarterback. You get after the quarterback. It's why the Niners are always there. It's why the Eagles are always there. Like you, that's why the coach, people are poaching their coaches. Look at the staffs. They're getting gutted. Uh, Philly OC, Philly DC, both got jobs. Now, should they have? I don't know, but people were like, they know what they're doing in Philly. They know what they're doing in San Fran. Like, if you just look at the trenches, a lot of good things are happening. And I'll say this. I, I think the Detroit Lions rebounded from an early draft that I didn't like, a, a linebacker and a running back. They trade Swift, which I'm fine with. Um, you know, obviously the Jamison Williams suspension ain't great, but this offensive line is great in Detroit. Arguably top three in the league, maybe number one. And the defense, you know, they added guys in the secondary. It seems like the linebacker might start. They added depth on the defensive line. I, I, I'm reluctant to say, I think the Lions are winning that division. And I know I've been bullish on them, and I bashed them after day one of the draft. Listen, both things can be true. I'm bullish, and I bashed them after day one. So I thought the Lions actually had a really good weekend. So remember, they didn't want to pay Hawkinson the tight end. They trade him, I think, to Minnesota. And then they draft another tight end from Iowa. And now they got Hendon Hooker as a replacement. And, you know, I was bullish on Hooker going into the draft. I liked what he did at Tennessee. I know he's coming off the injury. He's a little older. You just have Hooker sit behind Goff one year and if you want you reset the quarterback clock and then you go big game hunting in the offseason next year and the Lions can make a run at a Super Bowl I'm not kidding you could laugh Super Bowl they can't win a playoff game I get it obviously everybody likes the Seahawks geez they got they got Rob G's guy Zach is it Charbonnet that's right Charbonnet 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 and Kenneth Walker um 
And I, I'm on board predicting Geno Smith will regress. There's no way he's going to duplicate last season. They went out and got him Jackson Smith the Jigba to help potentially not regress. So now you have Metcalf, Smith the Jigba, and D, um, Lockett. And you had a running back. Like They got the guy weapon. This is... You know, I had to shave the friggin' logo in the side of my head like an ass clown last year. Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like the see. If you're ranking the NFC teams, Rob, coming out of the draft, and again, schedule matters, so maybe we can readjust. But I think Eagles clearly number one. You don't like Niners because they don't have a quarterback. I'm still going to take the Niners too. Still on that Sam Darnold train, huh? And I'm on the uh, Kyle <laughs> Shanahan train. Okay. Um, I think three. Seattle Seahawks? No, wait, wait. wait. Oh. Dallas? Dallas and Seattle, a toss-up for three. I think Detroit would be five. And and then six and seven. Oh, my God. I guess the Saints with your guy, Derek Carr. Um, I think the Bears could be in the mix. I don't know about the Rams. I'm certain... That the uh, Falcons, uh, sorry, Cardinals will not be there. I don't like the Fal- well, what the Falcons did at all. Although people will say, well, Jay, you just said you like they got Geno Smith weapons. What about the Falcons? They got B. John Robinson. Well, no, that's not how it works. Is their offensive line good? I don't know. They drafted, I think, a sixth rounder. I, I do like the kid. Um, I think they drafted a sixth rounder on the offensive line. And like, I, I just, I don't see it in the trenches from these guys. Like, Calais Campbell's not your solution on the defensive line. I think they're building a team the wrong way. Three straight years, skill position, guys? I'm not feeling it, Atlanta. Uh, Would you agree with that assessment, though, in the NFC, Rob? Uh, I think you're forgetting about the Giants. I think that they are going to be— No, I'm not. I don't think they're good. Really? Really? You know, I think that, you know, they upgraded their weapons in such a way that I think it's hard not to take notice of them. I could see them maybe even battling it out with Seattle as being— you know, one of the top wild card teams. The Giants? Yeah. After I've, Daniel Jones got paid? Yes, because the, the addition of Darren Waller is huge. Their receivers were dreadful last season. So, so now they have, well, Hyatt is kind of good. Uh-huh. Uh, Paris Campbell? I don't know, Jameson Crowder? What uh, am I missing? Look. Oh, Darren Waller, not, yeah, that's right. They're not lighting up, you know, the. you're not going your fantasy like, hey, look at who the Giants have. But just compare those names to what they had last year. That's fair. Right? Like, So it's a huge upgrade. Darren Waller, obviously, is a huge upgrade. So I think that they're going to do really well. I'm a little disappointed, not in you, but in, in that you got to talk first. Because I, I really like the Detroit Lions coming out of this draft. Mm. And and we talked about it on Friday. Um, the Jameer Gibbs, I, th- I think, is going to fit well with them. We, we mentioned that DeAndre Swift was probably going to get moved on just based by the comments by their GM where he's like, well, he's still on the roster. So that's yeah, 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 probably, right. you know, not a, not a good endorsement. But that tight end, uh, was is it Laporta? I think it's his name. Yeah, yeah. I think he is going to do wonders for mm. Jared Goff. And I, even if they, they, I believe they drafted him before the Raiders took your guy, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, um, who I think is probably a more complete tight end. But what Laporta can do is he is so much more explosive than Mayer. And when you have an offensive line that's that good, which they do in Detroit, you don't need your tight end to be this big mauling blocker that Fair. some of these other teams need. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is great. Jameer Gibbs, I think they get flexed out a lot in space. 
David Montgomery is maybe he's overpaid, but he's can absolutely do what Jamal Williams did for them last season. I expect not only are they going to win that division, but I think because I think that they are comfortably the best team in that division, they're going to make a challenge for the number two overall seed in the NFC next season. The number Lions. two. Oh my gosh. Um, that's a lengthy Monday pod. Yes, I will be having a 2024 way too early mock draft on Fox Sports, uh, but it was just too busy of a weekend, so I will not have it uh, early this week. Patience, uh, grasshoppers. Um, all right, enjoy the NBA tonight. I have no idea what we're doing this week. Uh, Guest-wise, Rob G is leaving us on a – I think he's traveling around the world. Where where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Anybody remember that video game? Where in the world is Rob G? Yeah, I know, from like 1986. All right, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.